This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Into hour number three of the program, flying by on a Tuesday. Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers along with you in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. The hour two podcast filled with some chuck wagons and the Arizona Coyotes clarify that there's a WPCA report with Rangeland Derby winner Lane McGilvery and our NHL offseason review with Craig Morgan chatting all things Arizona Coyotes so if you missed any of that you want to catch up on it the hour two podcast will be up shortly wherever you get your favorite podcast little roughnecks in there too yeah a little bit of roughnecks news today as well Kurt Miloski the new head coach and GM of the Vancouver Warriors on a busy day, along with the Mika Kippersoff jersey retirement news. We kicked off hour one with that, Aaron. We gave in a whole hour of the program to Kippersoff memories and uh, thoughts about the news today. So any of those available for you, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Still to come this hour, we'll check in on the Calgary Stampeders and the Toronto Blue Jays. Patty Dumas and Taylor Dingman will have the latest on both of those teams. Uh, but we're kicking off the hour. And we'll uh, bring the fan feedback line back into this one at 960-960, Aaron. This week, we're going to go through the top remaining NHL free agents. It's an interesting group still remaining. Some future Hall of Famers. I'm not lying when I say that. Nope, no hyperbole or exaggeration on the tip of your tongue there. But maybe not the strongest list that we've ever seen mid-July. So today we'll talk forwards. Wednesday's edition of the show, we'll go defenseman and we'll end things off on Friday with a little bit of goaltender talk. But the forward group is an interesting one and that's where those future Hall of Famers come into play. There's snipers, there's playmakers, there's some younger options mixed in here. Uh, Mr. Vickers, when you look at the forwards remaining, in the NHL's free agent pool, who is atop your list as of today? What reaction do you think I would get if I just tossed out Zach Cassian and Jesse <laughs> Pugliarvi's name right now? Uh, uh, 960, 960, text us be, in. I think you would be mocked heavily and rightfully so. Okay. Well, I'm not going there. Okay, well, that's good. But I, I just wanted to start there, just to one, gauge your reaction, and then two, just get torn to shreds on the text line <laughs> but, yeah. there we go that's what i'm looking for play the heel play the heel four people are booing you all family members i'm sure boo earns boo earns but yeah you mentioned the list here and of the top guys that remain on the market if in fact they are officially on the market mm-hmm. patrick kane and jonathan taves top the charts at least in terms of 
cap hit coming out of the 2022-23 season. Not necessarily sure either is going to be an option for the Calgary Flames. Patrick Kane, not likely to sign until he's back healthy off of what, hip surgery? Yes. Abdominal surgery, hip surgery, surgery. somewhere in there. And then Jonathan Taves, of course. uh, Sportsnet's Mark Spector reporting that his own agency didn't list Jonathan Taves as an available free agent. So a couple Hall of Famers there. Definitely worth mentioning. Probably not in the cards for the Calgary Flames themselves. So that leaves number one on the board for me. And again, not certain he's necessarily a Calgary Flames option, but I'm certainly curious to see where he ends up. Vladimir Tarasenko, who split the season between the St. Louis Blues and the New York Rangers last year, had 50 points in 69 games, including 18 goals. Well done. Is he the prize in your mind in terms of the remaining? We're sitting here mid-July now. A lot of it is thinned out. Wasn't a great crop to start with, but is he the guy right now? He is, if I'm being realistic about it. And what I mean by that is my top free agent forward remaining, I don't think is available to 31 other teams. My top free agent forward is Patrice Bergeron. Oh, yeah. But I don't think there's a chance in hell He's signing anywhere but with the Boston Bruins. So I don't really include him on that list because I feel like he's just going to take his time with his family this summer and sort of decide whether or not he's got another year of hockey in him. I really, I can't, I'm sure teams have approached him, but I just, I don't see him signing anywhere else. To me, he's a lifelong Bruin and he'll make his decision of this summer. He would be my top free agent just given the fact that his two-way prowess is still at the top of his game. He still put up almost 60 points last season. Uh, but again, I can't see him being anywhere but a Bruin. So if I have to take that off the list, then... Can we just take that conversation and times it by two for David Krejci as well then? I think so. Okay. But I think I think I would value Tarasenko more. Like if I had to order them regardless of who they may or may not sign with. Okay. You mean over Krejci, not over Bergeron. Over Krejci, yeah. yeah. So for me... If I'm being realistic about it and thinking, okay, who's the best option out there for all 32 teams to potentially sign? Yeah, I think Vladimir Tarasenko is probably pretty far and clear right now the top option still out there. And look, goal scoring is and always will be one of the hardest things to do in this game, and it's always something that will be valued. But I'm I'm a bit surprised he hasn't found a home yet, given that that's been his main attribute in the league and given just how thin this, this overall free agent class was. But for right now, I don't think that there's anybody that can dethrone him in my mind as the top remaining free agent. If you're looking for somebody that I think plugs into your middle six at this point in his career, maybe depending on your options, I guess... I could see him on a top power play unit depending on where he is. Yep. I think that that's a reasonable one. Do I think as far as the team here in Calgary is concerned that that's a fit? No, I I don't. And that'll be part of the conversation we have here. But it's an interesting one. Like I I thought the Sens made a lot of sense as soon as the DeBrinket trade happened and they were able to free up some cap space, but that hasn't come to fruition yet either. Yeah, that was sort of the rumored move and... I think a lot of the thought process was Vladimir Tarasenko was still on the market because they were waiting for the Ottawa Senators to move Alex to What's curious about Tarasenko, and this is 
shortly after the days the free agency opened up, it was Larry Brooks out of New York that reported that Tarasenko had multiple offers from various teams ranging from 5.5 to 6 million with varying lengths, rejected all of them, and then fired his agent. So that's a bit of a weird scenario. You know what it reminds me of immediately? Go on. John Klingberg last year. Show me the money. I don't like any of this money. Okay, show me a one-year deal where I can make <laughs> lots of money and hopefully go back to the free agent class and make lots of money. Oh, and that, again, didn't really happen. No. Now, he's younger. Karasenko's younger than Klingberg was at the time, but I, I think John Klingberg thought he was getting 7 by 7 last year. Didn't happen, and then he had to pivot. Takes a one-year deal with Anaheim. Gets good cash to do so. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense, goes to a worse team, doesn't put up good numbers, and now has to take a much smaller contract than he initially planned with the Toronto Maple Leafs when maybe there was a three- or four-year deal on the table at the beginning of free agency. I wonder when the dust settles if we're not talking about something similar for Vladimir Tarasenko. Where are you on him, the player? Because I ran through the stats again, 50 points in 69 games, if my math is correct, on the fly. Year prior, though, he had 34 goals and 82 points in 75 games. So is he closer to the point-per-game guy for you at this point? Or is he closer to the guy that, you know, maybe he's looking at being a 25-goal, 25-assist guy at this point? My range, my initial range, I think in the right scenario, Vladimir Tarasenko could be close to a 30-30 guy in the league at this point at 31 years old. Uh, and given the natural shooting ability that he has, the thing that gave me the most promise about Vladimir Tarasenko going forward was he did seem rejuvenated in New York. And let's be honest, that situation in St. Louis um, worked its course until the very last moment. He's been asking for yeah. out of St. Louis for a number of years, finally got his wish, and you know went to a New York team where he scored eight goals in 31 games. He had another three goals in their uh, round one playoff series. Um, and he looked more confident. He looked more like the Vladimir Tarasenko that we remember from his good years in St. Louis. But I don't think he's, I think the days of, of Vladimir Tarasenko cracking 70 or 80 points are probably behind him at this point. Is he an option here? Because you look at the Calgary Flames cap situation right now. And again, there's personnel moves that may or may not be made throughout the course of this summer, which may or may not free up some money, basically, for lack of a better term, some space. Is he a guy that you would want on the Calgary Flames in a top six role trying to be a goal-scoring, point-producing offensive forward to take on some of, some of the responsibilities in the production lost by Tyler Toffoli? I don't know. If if money wasn't an object and it was simply a, a prove-it sort of deal that he's going to get... So short-term, yes, long-term, no. Yeah. Then I think I could see it. I think goal scoring was an issue for this team last year. If he was a right shot, I mean, sign me up all day, every... And again, we're having this conversation if money's not an, an issue here. If right. I could, I think I'd still take a chance on it. Uh, because goal scoring was uh, at a premium for your team last year, and I think he's still a guy that can put the puck in the net. Um, Do I think it's realistic, given the cap constraints that sit on this team right now, 
I don't think it's going to happen in, in that sense, but purely from what he brings to the table, I could see it being an interesting fit. I just, again, if he was a right-hand shot, different conversation. If you're talking anything more than a, a one-year show-me type of deal for, for Vlad Tarasenko, I don't think I'm interested. What about you? At a, at 31 with, I don't want to say even declining production because two seasons ago, if we count last season as last season, he was over a point per game. So I until it proves itself over and over again that his production is declining and it wasn't a one-off situation, I'd be curious. But it's not somebody I want to go five years on. No. And if you're commanding 5.5 to $6 million, somewhere in that range, chances are you have the opportunity to go three, four, five years. Anything shorter than three, I'm, I'm, I'm in on. Once you, you get beyond that, I'm not certain how eager I would be. What do you think he lands up with? I still think Ottawa. I still think it's the most natural fit. I think it's an opportunity for him to jump into a top six role, into a point-producing role on a team that has legitimate aspirations to make the playoffs. They're at that stage in their growth where they've got enough kids collected and they've shown positive steps in growth, whether it's uh, Kachuk, whether it's Stutzla, whether it's Shabbat, whether it's Sanderson, Chikrin, so on and so forth. They're ready to be a playoff team. And I think moving out to Brinkett, bringing in Tarasenko, I don't necessarily think that's a win in terms of just straight exchange personnel, but I think that, that bringing somebody in, in addition to Kubalik, who they got back in that trade, could provide some punch for Ottawa. I think that makes the most sense in terms of a destination for Tarasenko. Anybody else of interest to you yes. in, this, in this class? And he's not a right shot. I'm curious about Thomas Tatar. Hmm. He's coming off a $4.5 million deal with the New Jersey Devils. He's hit 20 goals seven times in his career. He could be one of those guys that slots in your middle six, provide some punch. Like he, He's a guy that is still out there that I'm curious as to why he's still out there. 48 points last season, if I'm not mistaken. 20 goals, 28 assists, 82 games. Left wing, right wing. Again, a left-hand shot. But I'd be, uh, be kind of curious about him, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, sneaky productive player in Thomas Tatar. He hit 56 points with Detroit at one point. He hit 58 points with Montreal in 2018-2019. 61 points. Uh, a year after that, and like you mentioned, 48 points. Nothing to sneeze at for a 20-goal guy uh, in New Jersey who saw his playing time reduced with Timo Meyer showing up yep. in town. Um, yeah, that's an interesting one. 32 years old, so slightly older than Vladimir Tarasenko. Double-digit, I think, a guaranteed double-digit goal guy if he's healthy. Uh, put up pretty good numbers in... Uh, it was a bit invisible for New Jersey during the playoff. That's that's probably hurt him a bit. He only had one point in twelve playoff games. Um, but yeah, that's to me that's the most that's the safest bet out there. If you're adding to your forward group right now, would be Thomas Tatar. I think that that's you're likely to get anything from forty to fifty ish points in the right scenario. And I don't think at this point it's going to cost you a lot. Again, now, given how much he's moved around in the last couple of years, from Vegas to Montreal to New Jersey, I wonder if this wasn't another scenario of a guy that was 
hoping to find some security, some, some term in the market, and didn't find any, and is now kind of, you know, left with what teams have cap space and where can I best utilize myself and my you know, skills going forward? Because that's that's kind of the only reason I can see him not, unless there's something about going back to Slovakia at this point in his career, if that's an option. But he's still a very productive NHLer. I can't imagine that we get to September yeah. and there's isn't room on one NHL roster for a guy like that. Well, I wonder if guys like Tatar and Tarasenko are victim isn't the right word, but if there's what team flat has cap, cap space? Exactly. It's the flat cap. So I wonder if we start seeing some of these guys that have proven to be productive and Tatar and Tarasenko are a little bit different cases in terms of how productive they've been when they're at their peak. But I wonder if it's a situation where now they're being advised maybe a one-year deal well, is the best at, case scenario until the cap jumps another five or six million. Let's count this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven teams per cap friendly right now are over the salary cap. A third of the league. It doesn't and that probably doesn't include the Calgary Flames, no. who are projected at two point four million, but that's only a uh, roster a size full. of eighteen. Yeah. That doesn't include Pelchier. That does not include Walker Dewar. So uh, now, a number of these teams have, have LTR candidates. And yeah. a reminder, you can be 10% over the cap during the offseason. So these teams will have to do some adjusting to get there before the season. But there's a third of your teams right now in the league, Aaron, that cannot spend another dollar this offseason. You mentioned the Flames. There's also two more teams that aren't technically over the cap but are less than $400,000 in cap space. That is not an NHL minimum contract. No. Then the Blues and the Panthers. So make that 13 teams, 14 with the Flames. You're almost at half the league. This has that been counting even have with Logan enough. Gordon. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something I would never have gotten into. Uh, the only numbers that make sense to me are cap-friendly numbers for sports. But can I do math? Can I do Pythagorean theory? No. I don't have a clue how to do any of that. I'm a moron. Uh, there's half the league right there that doesn't even have the minimum amount of salary to sign a guy like Tarasenko or Tatar. Right there. That's half the league gone. Poof. See you later. And guess how many of those guys are, are contenders? Most of them. Where you'd want to be if you're yeah. a 31 if to 32-year-old NHLer. That don't have a Stanley Cup ring? You might want to chase that. Well, Tarasenko does. Tatar doesn't. Yeah, Philly's got lots of cap space. Lots of opportunity. You want to go to Philly right now? Mm. Arizona, we just heard, is trying to get a little bit more competitive. They must have some room. Uh, once they, they once they hit LTIR, they, yeah, have they filled their roster already with God? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, there's just there's you're right. There's so few options out there for guy. Okay, the Bruins sit with just over five million dollars in cap space. I guarantee that money's in held in escrow right now until the two guys we just talked about in Krejci yep. and Bergeron make up their mind. Right? They're probably sitting there going, "Yeah, let us know by." September, what you guys are doing. If this is the deal on the table. If you want to sign it, great. If not, we'll we'll pivot somewhere. That's that's maybe a scenario that makes sense to me. Is if it's maybe Krejci's done. Maybe Krejci's like, look, I just I can't do it with my body for another year. I'm going to go back. Maybe that frees up a spot on Boston, and a guy like Tomas Tatar goes says, okay, look, I'll t- I'll take a one year deal because you're a contender. There's just not. I mean, yeah, okay. Detroit's got lots of cap space. Um, you know, Chicago paid $8 million for Corey Perry and Nick Felino, but they handed those deals out already. They, they're at the cap floor. I don't think they're 
looking to spend much more. There's just not a lot out there with that flat cap world. You know who'd be a bargain? And I don't know if your eyes will roll at this one. He's a three-time Stanley Cup winner. Right shot, because you mentioned right shots. As it stands right now, the Calgary Flames have Lindholm, Coronado, and Dewar as right shots on their roster. That's it. In terms of forwards, anyway. We're talking about forwards. Where are you at Phil Kessel? 36 points in 82 games. Where am See? I on Phil Kessel? Might not have been an eye roll, but I got the whatever lip yeah. audio that was. Where am I on Phil Kessel? Just generally. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the Calgary Flames. No, he lands, he lands it... somewhere, right? If he wants to. He's only played four playoff games. Still got that cup. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm not going to take it away from him. He played 82 regular season games. The guy's the Iron Man, but I, I I am worried that he only played four playoff games on an entire run to the cup for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. That that worries me a bit. I know he said he wants to come back. He wants to try to continue to win. I'm. Slim pickings for right wingers available on the market yeah, right there's... now, or just right shot, regardless of position. I know we had that conversation a bit last off season about Phil Kessel. And I don't know. I just that's a that's a puzzling one for me. I don't. I mean, he had 14 goals last year. I mean, if you're you're purely looking for some goals, I just I don't know that. I don't know that there's a spot in the middle six for a guy that does one thing in his career right now. And that's about it, right? Like, are you saving a play a, a a power play spot for him right now? I'd no. I'd rather somebody Coronado else get in the, that spot yeah. than Castle. Yeah, exactly. I, I'd rather somebody younger in that. So okay. So speaking of the Calgary Flames here, are there any names that we realistically think you you said Castle there as an as an interesting idea? But are there any names that you legitimately think, given the cap scenario? given everything that we've talked about in the forward group, and we're only talking forwards today. In case you missed it, this is just free agent forwards. We're going to go to the D tomorrow. But is there anybody on the list at all that, even even to a PTO at this point, I know it's early July and there's not a lot of those handed out. Is there anybody that you would try to squeeze in if you could, if you were Craig Conroy on this list right now? I have one guy that I would try to get in, and that's it. Okay, well, before you go there, I'm just going to say no. Craig no. Conroy said he's not necessarily going to leave spots for young players and prospects. They have to make the team. They have to force the hand. But there is going to be the ability for youth to emerge in this lineup. So I would not necessarily block that path. And not to say that a PTO is going to guarantee a contract to that player. I mean, we've seen it go both ways here in Calgary. Most recently is this past offseason with Sonny Milano when there was a position open in the top six. But I think I want to see how Peltier competes, how Coronado competes, how Zeri competes, so on and so forth, before I look at a, a veteran on a league minimum contract to bring in. Well, and the only reason that this guy's on my list, and there's two, I guess there's two that I would throw in, is because they're young themselves okay. still. Um, if it came to a PTO or a league minimum contract, and I think PTO probably fits the bill more, knowing that you want that competitiveness. 
if if Max Comtois or Mason Shaw were guys that in a couple of weeks haven't found something from an NHL team yet, I would say, what about coming to Calgary for training camp? Just with a little bit more NHL experience to some of those young guys, just just to make a guy like Coronado have to push just a little bit more into a spot. Somebody that you'd be okay with if they had to spend more time with the Wranglers than the Flames should a prospect emerge. Yeah, I could get I could get yeah, on board with a guy that like I that. wouldn't be mad with if he did because I think the Wranglers at some point we've talked to Brad Pascal. I think at some point we're going to see you know some some training camp deals, some deals for AHL because they yep. lost a lot of talent uh, over oh, this yeah. year. Uh, Matt Phillips being at the top of that list. Um, I wouldn't mind someone like like Max come and you know for Max come talk a good opportunity to get back into an NHL organization, you know turn some heads and I I still think you know sitting there saying hey you're playing in front of the the management in Calgary every single night or every night you're at home right you're in the same building as the NHL Flames even if you're not on the Flames roster from night one you can still get good viewings your AHL teams in the same building you know what I mean I think you can sell it like yep. that. But that's really the only. Those are the only names that I've I've sat here at this point and gone, maybe, because the cap the cap's the biggest hurdle to any of this, and the fact that we have no idea what's happening with three other possible guys right now. Well, and that's part of the wrinkle here too. Is is you don't necessarily know how many roster spots you're gonna have via trades that may or may not happen and holes you may or may not need to fill. So. It's an interesting conversation. I don't necessarily look at this list and be like, ooh, I'm excited about this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. And again, it's middle of July, free agency. The The surge out of the gates on July 1 is certainly over. I wasn't overwhelmed with the uh, the unrestricted free agent class as it was. I, I, there, I think there was a lot of term and a lot of money given out to some guys that I was surprised by. And you know what? The, as we end this conversation, the biggest free agent contract might come... In no, not in terms of dollar, but maybe an impact might come in November or something when Patrick Kane yeah. decides to. Because I think that might be the most impactful forward still out there, and he's not going to make up his mind until he knows how he's feeling after surgery and where. I think that could be, you know, hey, maybe if you lose a top six forward early in the season, but you're still looking to contend, can you convince Patrick Kane to jump on with your organization? I think that could be the one. Um, that maybe has the biggest pull in all of this. But uh, he's Aaron Vickers. I'm Logan Gordon. This is the Sports Drive. It's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system to keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. we got one segment left to get to before we head out for the day. We'll check in on a couple of locals, uh, well, at least one local squad, uh, the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Patrick Dumas got your stamps report. Taylor Dingman gets a set for the Jays and the Padres as well. That's coming up as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You know, Aaron, these uh, these three hours just fly by with you, buddy. Looking with the clock and it's almost time to... Head out of here, and I feel like we just started for the day. I was looking to say something witty back there, hence the awkward pause. Nothing came to mind. Total blank. I thought, this is my chance to shine today. 
Witty bar back to logo. So close. Came up nothing. And that's twice I got booed today. Sam loves the. Can we get a better Cam. boo than that? By the way, I can work on that. That was just terrible. I, I mean, if you're gonna be booed, boom, yeah, boo me. Give it a. Give Bring a strong it. I'll get a, Gary a soft boo, and a much more visceral boo. Yeah, well, if we're gonna go at somebody, bring it. Bring the heat. Okay. It's you know what? It's the lack of respect that hurts the most. Cam can't even give me a good boo. <laughs> You got your name in the intro. What would you like? Put it in front of logo. That was pro- oh, oh now we're talking. We can do that. No, let's not. Uh, speaking of bring the heat, uh, did you get your uh, air conditioning fixed at your place, there, Vickers? Or oh, did I rant to you about that? A I ranted bit. to everybody. It, it is actually fixed. Seventeenth floor, floor to ceiling windows, no AC. <laughs> My goodness. Good thing is it's been pretty chill lately. I think we hit. Inside the condo on our digital thermostat, which looks like it's from 1991, but they just replaced them last year. I think we hit 29.4 inside Ooh. the condo. And you've said it's never happened before. You've been, not that I'm aware of. Not to not to mine. You've not been, to my floor. You've been solid. You've not been to happy. 17. Let's go. <laughs> 17 represent. I don't even know what that means. Represent 17. Don't make me hit the boo button again. Come on. All you 17s out there, if you're at floor 17, wave your hands in the air. Wave your hands in the air. Wave them like you just don't care. You see Vickers. See, that one's even weak, too. Is that, that supposed sucks. to be the better one? It's terrible. No, no, I need that time for that. That is the exact same so one. Bad. Yeah, I can tell. Not good. Even Grant texting in at 960-960. Not good enough. <laughs> Boo Burns. Burns and you, Vickers. Stadler and Waldorf. Let's go. <laughs> From the Muppets. God, I'd hate to hear what they have to say about us. Yeah, probably not anything that we can put on the radio, which is okay. Uh, those uh, sounds are emanating from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios where our producers Cam and Taylor are in the other room. You know them. You love them. We sometimes appreciate the work they do, except when Cam brings subpar booing audio to the I program. I feel hurt. Why? Why am I being lumped in with Cam's poor booing? No, no, no. I said Cam specifically brought it. I didn't say that you were a factor of of Cam's underhanded work. Lazy. You know what? I actually appreciate that a lot more. Are you saying boo or booerns? I was saying saying booerns. Who says he can't have fun on a Tuesday afternoon? Not this guy. I was saying booers. <laughs> Are you a big Simpsons guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Still going. I, think I mean, sorry. Let me stop. Let me backtrack. I can't say I've watched a new episode in like the last seven years. Fair. But I was there at its peak, at its height. I fall into that like Simpsons Sunday night. You got to be oh, there. Oh, yeah. Not so much anymore, and I don't know. Probably around the time that I haven't. I don't know. But Same uh, with Family uh, Guy too. But like the Simpsons, the classic Simpsons tropes, like Boo Earns. Oh yeah. Could... Oh, like first thirteen yeah. seasons of The Simpsons. Yeah. Who shot Mr. Burns? Like, come on, that was that was a cliffhanger. That was must watch television at the time. That I had to was... go through an entire summer to find out what happened. Back in the day. I don't even care about Game of Thrones or anything like that. Don't talk to me about House of... The Simpsons, Who Shot Mr. Burns? 
was thrilling television at the time. You had to go through what June, July, and August to get back yeah, to September to when the, the new season would start up came again. Around, yeah. God, what a wait that was! What a time, hey? <laughs> Good times, memories here on Sportsnet today. Uh, it's been a busy program. We got uh, a Stamps report, a Jays report to get your way before we're out of here. But a quick reminder: Hour one of the program today was all things Mika Kiprasov, the legendary Flame. We'll have his number 34 retired and sent to the rafters of the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Excuse me, on March 2nd, the Pittsburgh Penguins are in town, which just so happens to be I saw March 2nd was also uh, Iggy's retirement night. Um, Really? I don't know if that's intentional from the Flames or simply how things worked out, but apparently March 2nd was... Uh, Jerome McGinley's night as well. That so. was against the Minnesota Wild that night. Well, was it not, not, or am I yeah, guessing at that no, one? No, you're right. Um, as someone that he used scored to, his 500th goal against as the someone that Minnesota used Wild. to um, work at this radio station would say, uh, Mike Smith left a uh, a stain in the crease that night. Oof. Mm. Is, that, is, is that a phrase? Uh, it is. It was for that particular person. Yep. Yeah. Huh. You learn something new every day. Wasn't. Uh, I I will to this day joining the Oilers, whatever the playoff series were, more Flames fans that I talk to are mad or hate Mike Smith because of his performance on Jerome McGinley night than anything he did with the Oilers. I'd guarantee that right now on the text line too. At nine six zero nine six zero. What do you what's like your most it's not him mouthing off with Kachuk or you know, anything with the Oilers or the goalie fight with Talbot or none of it. Most Flames fans that I've heard from on social media and all this sort of stuff, when you talk about Jerome McGinley night in Calgary, the first thing that comes up is, yeah, it would have been great if Mike Smith showed up that night in Calgary. Instead, the Minnesota Wild got to come in and ruin the evening. I guarantee that'll come up on the text line. I'm scrambling right now because I don't even remember the game itself. It was not good. 4-2 Minnesota Wild win. Ooh, three goals in the third for the Wild. Not good. Am I starting to uh, starting to Mike ring some Smith. bells? He Mike Smith. If you want to, you want to be that. If I want to be that guy, you know the thing that Mike does. Some people say is great, and some people say doesn't help your team as much as maybe it, it should. Four goals on twenty three shots. It's not good, man. It's not good. Minnesota took a 2-1 lead, 4-13 of the third. Ryan Suter extended that to 3-1 at 11-07. Hamannick got one back at 14-29, capped by Ryan Donato at 18-18. An even strength goal, 4-2 Minnesota. They don't want the repeat of that March 2nd, 2024. Is that going to be the hottest ticket right now of the season? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we had the returns last year. We don't really have any. I guess we might have some. We'll have a Toffoli night. And we'll have. But that doesn't have the same bite as. No, a it'll be a nice, it'll be a nice video thing. It won't be the same. Might even just be a graphic. We, we might have some other returns. I don't know as of right now. But I would say looking at the Flames calendar, that's got to be number one on the. Yeah. Got to have it nights at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome right now. Matt and Cochran. In pro wrestling terms, Iggy Knight was Smith's heel turn here. That's a fair that's a fair estimation from one of our longtime texters on the program, Matt and Cochran. 
I'm gonna try to find you if I can't find you the highlight pack from that night because it was it was ugly. And so I'm talking about more Flames fans that hate or despise Mike Smith because of that performance than was there anything he did. Was there a bad giveaway that night by Mike Smith? I I, there's there's a couple references on the text line to it. Yeah, it's the giveaway. Yeah, not good. Mike Smith play the puck much? A little bit here and there. Okay. March second also a Saturday, by the way. I don't think Iggy Night was a Saturday. I thought it was a Wednesday or it something. It was like, like a middle of the week thing. This is going to be a Saturday hockey night in Canada, 8 p.m. start, sit in the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, again, all of our Kippersoft talk, hour one of the program today. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hour two, WPACA report. We checked in with Rangeland Derby winner Lane McGilvery. Arizona was our team for the offseason review. We asked Craig Morgan, unfortunately, about the arena news. There is none right now, but we continue to wait. So if you want the latest on, look, we talked about the prospects and, and the hey, good things. We talked about Yuso Valimaki as well. So Don't know want, if that cut still hurts in the city or not. but It should. Knowing that who's not the head coach, I think it should hurt. But that's that's a different story for a different day, Aaron. Um, so we talked to Craig Morgan in hour two. And then uh, hour three, we just finished up our best remaining free agent forwards in the NHL. Is there a fit out there for the Calgary Flames? Is there a good fit for any NHL team out there right now with who's remaining? Uh, You can check that out when the hour three podcast heads up uh, in a couple of moments time. Before we get to the end of the show, Aaron, check in on a couple of teams, starting with the Calgary Stampeders. They're coming off a big win in Saskatchewan on Saturday, and this week getting set for a home matchup on Sunday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So some extra time built in for the Calgary Stampeders this week. Uh, with the latest on the Stamps, here is Patrick Dumas. This, this is the Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. One more off day for the Calgary Stampeders before they return to the practice field to get ready for their Week 7 opponent, the Ottawa Red Blacks. It will be Calgary's first home game in practically a month. Jake Mayer, the winning quarterback from Saturday night in Saski, put together his best performance of the season up to this point against the Riders, going 26-37 of 37 for 315 yards and a couple TDs. He spoke to the media after Saturday's win. I'm just happy that we did it together. I just... I... I felt like this all year. Like I felt like offensively we haven't held our end of the bargain for our team. And we've struggled and we've uh, had some good moments, but we've never really never really played a full game. And who knows, maybe you watch the film and maybe this wasn't a full game either, but uh, we made the plays when we had to. We scored a lot of points. Um, I'm just happy we did it together. You know, Our defense kept us in the game all, all game. They've kept us in the game all year. So we got to be there for them. Um, I'm glad we were. And then obviously Renee, man, he's... He's the best. He's the best ever. You looked a lot more comfortable out there than I think you have the whole season. Is it fair to say that? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. I just I know the results haven't been looking the way they should early in the year, but I always felt like, man, we are improving and we are um, getting to things that, uh, that we're successful at. Um, and it was always a matter of just making plays, right? Like whether I would miss them or maybe we didn't come down with it. Early in the year tonight, we came down with just about all of them. Um, and if we didn't, it was probably my fault, you know, just missing high or missing low or whatever it may be. But the catchable balls, that they were made tonight. And then offensive line, I mean, you don't you don't get over 300 yards passing without great protection. 
period. And, uh, and I thought tonight was their best game. You look like you were spreading the ball around pretty well, but you and Luther seemed to have something cooking, especially. Yeah, I mean, our game plan uh, really favored him out there out wide. Um, and we just felt good about some of our shots to him. And uh, the key is when you get the opportunities, you got to hit him. And tonight we hit him. I want to thank Stamps TV for that audio. Jake always wanted to take the brunt after a loss. I was happy he was able to celebrate such a dramatic victory as the Stamps improved to 2-3. and three. Also wanted to mention that this Sunday's game is a 5 p.m. start, and it's family day down at McMahon Stadium. Before the game on the South Practice Field, there will be Gridiron Gardens opening up at 3 p.m., featuring bouncy castles, face painting, giveaways, and more. And after the game, stick around to run around the field. That's Sunday down at McMahon. Tuesday is an off day before the practice week begins on Wednesday. With your Stamps Report, I'm Patrick Dumas. Thank you, Patty. Appreciate that. Yes, the Stampeders and the Red Blacks Sunday at McMahon Stadium. Looks like some great weather coming for that one. Stampeders with a chance to get back to the 500 mark if they can pick up a victory against Ottawa. We'll have more on the Stamps preparations throughout the week. And now for the latest on the Toronto Blue Jays, we turn things over to Taylor Dingman. Time now for the Jays Report on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Taylor Dingman. The Blue Jays were off Monday night after winning eight of their last nine games, but still made up ground with the Rays, Yankees, and Orioles losing last night. The Blue Jays currently sit third in the AL East, five and a half games back of first place. The Jays will start a three-game series against the San Diego Padres. Alec Manoa will get the start for this game, hoping to make another impactful start after his conditioning stint. After switching up the catcher's last outing, manager John Schneider will stick with Danny Jansen as Manoa's catcher. The San Diego Padres will be sending out right-hander Joe Musgrove, who has only faced the Jays three times in his career while he was a member of the Houston Astros. Musgrove currently holds a 3.29 ERA this season. Some updates within the Blue Jays organization. Elvis Martinez is slated to make his AAA debut tonight with the Buffalo Bisons. This season in AA, Martinez has an average of 226 and 17 home runs. That's your Blue Jays report for this Tuesday. First pitch will go at 5.07 p.m. right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Catch the Blue Jays all season long right here on Calgary's home of the Blue Jays, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thank you, Taylor. Wrapping things up on this Tuesday edition of the program. This is the Sports Drive, and it's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Mr. Vickers, we have a busy Wednesday coming for you. We're going to check in in Sweden. We are. We're going to go all the way across the Atlantic. Yeah. Or the Pacific, if you want to go the long way. If you really want to go the long way. Um, but we're going to check in with uh, someone that knows the Swedish landscape with hockey players a lot better than you or I and actually speaks and reads the language. Uh, let listeners know who we got tomorrow. We've got Uffe Bodin coming on to talk a little bit about the Calgary Flames Swedish contingent, including Michael Backlund, who may or may not be a hot-button topic in Calgary right now. Is that fair? I think that's fair, and uh, it looks like today another uh, Swedish outlet that uh, chatted with Michael uh, about his future with the Calgary Flames. So we'll have Ufe on tomorrow to kick off the program. Uh, plus a familiar voice back on the airwaves tomorrow afternoon, Haley Salvian from Hockey Central 960. Yes. And the Athletics going to join us. There's a new pro women's hockey league, and we'll just uh, we'll chat some general hockey with Haley uh, tomorrow as well. She's a regular here during the season with Hockey Central 960. 
Uh, and very excited to have Stampeders wide receiver coach Nick Lewis joining us uh, at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon. Big win for his team. The offense got going. We'll get Nick's thoughts on uh, preparations for their game against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So all of that coming up on a Wednesday edition of the program. I want to say a quick thank you to you listening, whether live or on the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you for all your interactions on the text line today. Thanks to our outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work today. And thank you to Lane McGilvery and Craig Morgan for joining us on the program this afternoon. We are back tomorrow, same time, same place. Enjoy the Blue Jays and the Padres. That's where we're heading to next. Jays pregame is right around the corner. For Aaron Vickers, I'm Logan Gordon saying we will see you tomorrow, friends. Keep it locked here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.